What we can and must say quite confidently is that the church which does not sing is not the church. Welcome to Sing the Word, a podcast that explores gospel-centered, biblically-rich congregational songs for the church. My name is Nathan Murfin. As always, I'm joined with my co-host Joshua Roberts, Rachel Nothnagel. This was our intended first episode, but uh, being totally honest, we were not completely satisfied with where we um, where we landed with everything. It was literally our first time to ever record a podcast, and... Um, we, we're wanting to redo that episode for you, so we present you something more clear and more professional. Treating this like this was the first ever episode, we would like to briefly introduce ourselves, uh, and then after we do that, we're going to give kind of an apologetic of why we wanted to do this podcast. So um, let's go around the table. Uh, ladies first, we'll start with uh, Rachel. All right. My name is Rachel. My husband is Jacob. Yes, like in Genesis 29. We've been married for just over four years. Um, I've been a believer since I was a little kid. I got saved around five years old. I graduated from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in 2022 with my bachelor's in biblical studies. I currently work in a Christian bookstore where I get the pleasure of talking about the Bible pretty much all day. <laughs> I've been at my church for about eight years, where I serve on the worship team and in the student ministry. Music ministry in particular is very important to me, and I'm excited to be able to serve our church every week. Thanks, Rachel. Okay. All right, so my name is Joshua Roberts. Um, I thought that I had just celebrated my 13th anniversary, but I actually just celebrated my 14th anniversary with my wife. Um, She... um, she and I have been married for 14 years. We have one son. He is nine years old. Um, I I became a Christian when I was uh, 11. Was when I really nailed it all down and and understood um, what I was what I was doing and mm-hmm. um, came to the Lord as my Lord and my Savior. Um, grew up in church, uh, though my dad was actually a music minister. Um, I I have a background in classical music. I I got my bachelor's in piano performance and um, my master's from Midwestern Seminary uh, in theological studies. So um, anyways, I've been doing music or worship ministry for 23 years now um, and um, currently serve at First Baptist Church Springfield. Um, Love that worship pastor and uh, young adult pastor. So Mm. that's a little bit about me. Cool. My name is uh, Nathan Murfin, uh, married to my wife, Lauren. We've been married for um, four and a half years. It'll be our fifth year in December. And we have one son, uh, and we have a baby girl on the way due in October. Um, I've been a Christian since I was age eight, so pretty early conversion. But I, I do believe it was it was genuine, though childlike, and um, uh, it, it was. I do believe the Lord has certainly grown me from that point, but... Um, praise God for that. Uh, kind of like you, Josh, I have kind of uh, a more musical background. Um, I graduated from, um, well, went to Ozark High School and then went to uh, Southwest Baptist University uh, up, up in Bolivar, Missouri and got my uh, 
bachelor's in church music with a voice emphasis, but I've I'd been serving in music ministry uh, even since junior high in my student band, and then also in high school um, in the church orchestra there. And and uh, so I've I've always loved being involved in the worship ministry. And um, right now I'm currently serving as pastor of worship and students uh, at Boulevard Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. And I've been um, here almost five years, but I'm actually full-time approaching four years now. So, And I am also working on my uh, master's in theological studies with a worship ministries emphasis from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. So we all share that common uh, bond of influence there from Midwestern. That's a little bit about us, um, but now we're going to go transition to our uh, topic of why why do this podcast in the first place. Um, so let's 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 go through various points of why we think this is a worthwhile endeavor for us. The subtitle of our podcast, so the title is "Sing the Word," but the subtitle was very intentionally thought out. It's a podcast that explores. And promotes so we we want to talk about hymns that explore them and promote them to you that are gospel centered, um, that are full of biblical allusions, references, biblically rich, and also songs that are congregational friendly, and not just congregational songs, but they are specifically for the church. They are for God's people in a gathered service on Lord's Day, mm-hmm. and then and in other gatherings that the people of God gather in. So that's our subtitle, and it was very intentional. Gospel-centered, biblically rich, congregational songs for the church. Um, so we want to start from that, but we all we want to glean from that, but let's talk about points that we all um, have in our own minds and also collectively. Why this podcast, guys? Let's answer that. Well, I'm doing this podcast because Nathan asked me to. <laughs> well... You no, and Rachel no, are in the same yeah, boat. Then. Yeah, no, <laughs> yes. no. Um, honestly, this is something that that you and I talked a lot about, um, just kind of as friends. And um, yeah. these are things that are very important to, I think, all three of us mm-hmm. um, that we do. But um, with that being said, I think that the words that we sing to God are very important, extremely important. Yeah. Um, and we have this big task of of putting words into other people's mouths. So mm-hmm. um, that's that's kind of the the first for me uh, answer to why this podcast um, because the the words that we sing are important. Yeah. And um, so mm-hmm. we want to make sure that we're doing it right. Yeah, yeah. It just <laughs> with all of our songs that we choose, or even the songs. Man, think about for the two of us that are actually doing this full time, and and Rachel was just talking about how she stepped in in an interim position to to be the song leader at her church, and she's now picking songs and kind of getting to taste how that works. Um, think about all the songs that we might could have chosen but mm-hmm. didn't. Too, there are so many. There are way more on that list than the ones we actually do in church, um, and it's a good noble endeavor, I think, to be picky um, because. The words we sing are crucial. Um, I'm going to make a, a read a quote here without taking too much time from um, from Matt Boswell in his book uh, Doxology and Theology: How the Gospel Forms the Worship Leader. Um, but there's this this paragraph or two that I really like, and it and it dives into the importance of what we sing and why we sing it. 
the primary task of the worship leader, and I'll just say even broadly for, for everyone, uh, is to sing the truth. It is the commission of preachers to preach the truth and the mandate of worship leaders to sing the truth. Albert Muller noted, quote, churches are looking for songs with no heresy. That is not enough, end quote. We must take seriously the content of the songs that we are singing, singing, realizing how formative they are in the life of the church. Every word we sing ought to be weighed and measured with, uh, for biblical faithfulness, theological weight, God-centeredness, singability, and effectiveness. Hey, we kind of talked about some of those. Mm-hmm. There is no right praise without right doctrine. The worship leader is often tasked with choosing songs to be sung in the church, so this should be done with great intentionality and care. Mark Dever and Paul Alexander give this advice to pastors and worship leaders. Quote, As the main teaching pastor or worship leader, it is your responsibility to shepherd the congregation into the green pastures of God-centered, gospel-centered songs and away from the arid plains of theological vacuity. (laughs) I like that. Med, uh, meditations on the human experience and emotional frenzy. Mm. The hymnal, I, I love this quote, and this is a great apologetic for contemporary songs, and I hate the word contemporary, but I'm going to use it anyways. The hymnal of the church has no back cover. Mm. Every church is in the process of curating its own collection of songs. It will sing together in worshiping God. With this task comes the responsibility to carefully comb through an incredible and ever-expanding body of hymnody and puts forth the most tr- that puts forth the most truthful and beautiful songs that we can find. While this task seems overwhelming, it doesn't have to be. Simply sing the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help us God. There are a lot of reasons for worship, but one that I think of is encouragement to the body of believers, and so... I think that's why it's so important that we do sing the truth and that we sing the truth of God's word. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm sitting or you know standing in the congregation, I want to be singing along with my brothers and sisters, and I want to be encouraged in the truth. Mm-hmm. I don't need to hear about you know how great I am or you know uh, anything about myself um, mm-hmm. or in what I can do. I need to be encouraged in God's word because that's true encouragement. Yeah. And I want to leave church knowing that. I have worshipped God the way that he has said he need, wants to be worshipped, which is in spirit and in truth. Yeah. I always think it's interesting that we are an encouragement to each other as we sing to each other. It's part of what um, Paul talks about in Ephesians where he says, speak to one another. Mm-hmm. Yep. One another. Yep. We, you know, we, we always, we do want to worship the Lord and focus our audience uh, on him, you know, um, but uh, we are speaking to one another as well with psalms, hymns, and spiritual mm-hmm. songs. Um, singing and making music to in your heart yeah. to the mm-hmm. Lord. Yeah, um, it's both. We're we're talking right. to both, so it is such a big encouragement. Yeah, yeah. with the audience of one mentality. Like I get well, that it's, it's, that that some people definitely abuse that for sure, mm-hmm. and we totally lose the ecclesi ecclesiology. Well, God gave us singing. ears. We're going to hear each other singing. Yeah. so mm-hmm. it's impossible for and it to be that the fact you know, that we're not listening. We talk about uh, ecclesia. You know, the assembly, yeah. the gathering. That means. People are in one vicinity, whether that's outdoors or indoors, a building or not. They're in a vicinity. They're in close proximity. Mm-hmm. They're going to be hopefully encouraged, challenged, exhorted, uh, edified by what uh, their neighbors have to tell them and the thing that they're also saying on their mouths. So, 
I need to hear other people singing with me. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I like to sing in general, but yeah. my favorite time of singing is when I am singing at church and I get to see You're my brothers right. and sisters who I know mm -hmm. sing with me. I get to see, um, you know, a, a friend who just got through her treatments for cancer. I get to look to my and left and I get to see worship. Mm -hmm. yeah, yes. I look to up. my left and I get to see, um, you know, a couple who I know had a miscarriage and I look above and I see my friends who are dealing with hard things as their nurses. And, um, you know, one of my friends is a nurse and she has seen so many, so many hard things. And I get to look up and see her in the balcony worshiping. Yeah. And that's an encouragement to me as the person who's on stage. And so, um, yes, there is an audience of one, you know, mm -hmm. it, truly we are singing to God, but also we are singing with one another. Yep. Um, and we can't get away from it. Too. No, it's not it's meant to be that way. <laughs> it's not an individual devotion time that you happen to be standing around. However, many hundred people. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a collective thing, a corporate thing. Uh, another point I think that's important is that our songs, not just the sermons we hear, the um, the prayers we pray, you know, but the songs also, they are mobile confessions that they go with us. We carry them through life. And that's that's one thing I love about the Gettys. Uh, they're they're kind of subtitled for why they make write songs that they do is hymns that carry us through life, mm -hmm. I think is what they've said. Hymns for life or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I, I think... And not only for life, but they are a confession of what we affirm and and deny and believe as a church. They're, the songs them, themselves are very much a part of our confessional beliefs. Um, <laughs> so if we're going to be saying things that are contrary to what Scripture says, well, maybe that's a song not worth doing. You know, um, these these are imperatives that we must consider. Um, and, uh, but that's it's a good thing. I think God created us to remember songs probably a little bit more than we remember sermons because of the tune, that the, the music mm -hmm. that just attaches it to our our memories and our hearts and our and our our, our devotions. It just it just sticks sticks with us. And you may not have the words to say in a moment of suffering, but um, maybe something like "My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness," or when peace like a river, you know, just something. It sticks to you um, a little bit easier than what your pastor may have preached. So I think that's important. Um, yeah, it's part of the way I've heard people say before, it's uh, part of the way that we catechize the church. Um, yeah. we, we, we are putting these songs into their mouths, into mm -hmm. their hearts, and teaching them uh, the doctrines of that we believe in. So we have to make sure that they're... Um, actually teaching the the church's theology not yeah. some other theology yeah yeah there's there's a lot of <laughs> doctrines we could go into we don't have to use the formal names but um what what do our songs say about god mm -hmm. uh, what do our songs do our songs um allow for a trinitarian understanding of god how is it going to stick out against some other song maybe you heard on the radio or a song that <laughs> um, some cult, some some sect that claims to be Christian, you know, like um, Jehovah's Witness or, or Mormons, a song that could could they sing that song and could you sing that song also? And when we have very different views of who God is and namely who Christ is and the function of the Holy Spirit, do our songs distinguish us from... Um, other beliefs, mainly in the Trinitarian theology. What what is our what do our songs say about man? Um, 
do they talk about how we were made in God's image? And though we still bear that image, that image is corrupted because of the fall of sin, and we all bear Adam's sin as the federal head. Um, we all are dead in Adam, but alive in Christ. That's our answer. Um, what what does our song? What do our songs say about sin? Do they even mention the word sin? Mm. There's a lot of songs that talk about fear or shame, but not about sin and guilt and our need for our sin to be forgiven and our guilt to be acquitted um, by a savior. Um, people make there's a lot of songs that make fear or shame the enemy. And uh, though those things are real and people do struggle with those things, um, our deepest need is to be forgiven of sin. And then also, what, what do our songs say about salvation? What's, what's our answer to sin, <laughs> if you even mention sin in the first place? There's, there's a lot of doctrines that have a domino effect, and it all starts, honestly, from the doctrine of God and the Trinity. Um, what, what, what other things do you guys have? I mean, I always look for songs that display the gospel in plain language, so that mm -hmm. doctrine of salvation, because that is what the people of God need to be reminded of. I mean, I think it was Martin Luther who said, <laughs> preach the gospel to yourself every day because you forget you it forget every day. It. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, the corporate worship time is a great opportunity to remind each other of the gospel. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that I think is important about why we are doing this podcast is that we want to make sure that we we s emphasize songs that that employ scripture um, because of the fact that we believe with all our heart that um, using the scriptures in some form that doesn't mean that we're literally going to be quoting scriptures but when they are scripturally based scripturally relevant um, those songs are going to be much more edifying to the church much yeah. more edifying to our hearts yeah um, and build each other up more. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, hey, people even talk about how um, one of the most powerful things you can do in your prayer life is to pray the scriptures. It's a similar thing in, in our songs. Mm -hmm. was, it, was it Augustine that said, when you, when you sing, you pray twice? Or is it that, I don't know. I have it, it on a T-shirt, but it, I don't. Is think it pray that, twice or ten times? I don't he, remember the number. He but. who sings prays twice. That's yeah. what my T-shirt says. Anyways, this is what okay. <laughs> T-shirt said it, so it's got to yeah. be right, and it's yeah. got to be Augustine, right? We'll just throw it all on him. <laughs> um, one thing you know to that point of of songs being better for the church when they're scripturally based rather than not, which that's obviously a very true point. One thing that we also have to remember is. Songs can quote scripture and not be applied rightly. Mm -hmm. We also, it's not just the fact, oh, let's throw arbitrarily this phrase from scripture and it's good, you know. And But our hermeneutics and our understanding, our domino effect after talking about this verse, <laughs> how, it, how it plays out in our church, how we interpret this, what does this actually mean in light of, the word as the whole, um, and and salvation history, and who Jesus is, and and all those things, we also have to employ that this is this must be rightly known and interpreted too in in the line of and honestly the best help for that though it's not <laughs> authoritative like scripture is 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 lining yourself up with theologians and historians and pastors of of ages before us being in that stream 
of, of church history, um, of orthodoxy, uh, is very important. Um, another thing, well, we talked about intentionality and discipleship. You talked about the putting the words on people's mouths. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think that's been a struggle. That's not just been a struggle in, in present time, but also in the past, yeah. the lack of intentionality. Uh, you don't want to generalize, say everyone that came before us was terrible at this and we're, we're perfect at this. No, but, but there have been some things both now and in the past that have been kind of concerning. Yeah. And as we're answering that question, why this podcast, you know, part of the thing that we were talking about, the three of us, as we were kind of messaging back and forth in the beginning of this was we were talking about um, how song selection, mm-hmm. um, there's not an intentionality and um, not a realization of, 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 how this can be used to disciple and, and how how picky we can truly be yeah. because of the amount of songs that are out there. There's so many songs. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to do every one of them. Mm-hmm. You can only do the best. You can and you can only do so many of them. Well, you, so you, might as well you, be good ones. Yeah, but you get to only do the best. But That's you right. don't have to use fillers. Yeah. Um you really That's don't. Good. And, That's good. and and so often we 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 think of fillers mm-hmm. or, or whatever, but there's so many songs out there yeah. um, that, that you know, why not be picky about them? That's good. I like that. For another point, I think let's talk about the music. Um, one concern that I have, um, again, also um, past and present issues, but I would say this even more so with a, as a present issue. Um, a lot of the songs that churches are trying to get their people to sing are not in friendly ranges for mm. for the Joe Schmo, um, Jack and Jill coming in to sing with their church that don't ever sing probably, you know, any other time except, you know, in the shower or when they're at their church. <laughs> Those are the only times they sing. And their range is maybe two or three notes, um, but which that that's not true. They can sing more than that. They just don't know that. But um, there are some songs, whether it's employing the... Uh, <laughs> The contemporary Christian octave leap. We talked about that on another podcast uh, episode. Or if it if it just sits in a very high place and it doesn't really come off of that higher place, or if it sits in a really low place and it doesn't really come out of out of that vocal fry range, you know. And uh, it's hard, you know, being for me as a worship pastor and for my particular voice, I'm more of a higher voice. I'm a tenor. So I have to intentionally pick songs that are lower. Like I'm not, too. I'm not singing in my wheelhouse until it gets to this this top note of the melody that's kind of in my wheelhouse, but still kind of in the lower. Um, there is a strong tendency, especially with songs written in the last ten years, I'd say, for worship leaders to pick songs in the original key, at that recorded album key that. Tessitura that, that nobody in the church that no can one else sing, can sing, and then they wonder why no one's singing. And they know exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, or they say, "Well, the men can just the men can just sing in their lower octave, and they'll sing in the women's octave. They just sing unison with not me." Not necessarily. And, sometimes that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, sometimes that doesn't work. And also, it's just like you lose effect. Why not make it in a good medial speaking range? You know, so a, like one octave range, C to C, D to D. You know, maybe go a little lower, a little higher than that, but. 
there's a lot of songs today that just don't do that. And I appreciate the songs that, that narrow themselves mm -hmm. and have a, a friendlier range for your people. Yeah, and you don't want to become boring with your songs. But, sure. But there's, again, it goes back to there's so many songs out there mm -hmm. that really we can be picky, even if if it means looking at. And I, I, let me just, I just can't help but chase this for just a second. Mm -hmm. If you are a worship leader and you don't really know or understand anything about uh, music theory or mm -hmm. notes or anything. Um, if God has called you to this, then I think it's important that you get some mm -hmm. training in some way on that, um, at least be able to to understand the differences between the notes and stuff mm -hmm. and what is a good range. Yep. Um, and, and go to someone and, and ask for some sort of remedial um, music lessons because it's only going to benefit you mm -hmm. and the church. Absolutely. The, the goal... The goal is participation, right? We, yeah. we don't want our people to be observing us in a, specta a spectator performance-like manner. We mm -hmm. want them to actually do mm -hmm. the same thing we're doing, to actually sing the song with us because um, it's edifying for, for, for us to hear each other sing and for not only to hear the truth hit my ear, but also to put it on my own mouth and, and uh, espouse it that way. Well, how distracting is that when we don't think of... Of, of what we're talking about when we don't think about ranges and notes um, and picking keys for songs, how distracting for the people who can't sing along. Mm -hmm. I mean, they might just stand there and think, oh, here's another one. I just have to endure this song yep. until it's over. Yep. And then their eyes aren't on Christ. And mm -hmm. so I think the whole point is that we all sing together and we're all mm -hmm. thinking on mm -hmm. the Lord. Yeah. And if I'm picking a key that isn't accomplishing that, I need to yes. take a step back and redo it. And yeah. I think we can all appreciate the songwriter's um, both in the past and today that are trying to make worship simple and not trying mm -hmm. to advocate for minimalistic only music. You know what I'm saying? We can still be excellent. We can still be effective in our music and, and beautiful and creative. But like you said, taking away all the distractions, anything that would hinder us, whether it's um, our own hearts or whether it's the key that we sing the song in. I mean, there are so many things, goodness, that well, we can be distracted I like what Rachel said too because she said in. she said take a step back and mm -hmm. um, it I I would encourage worship pastors worship leaders if if you are like well I need to do this song in this key because it can't be done <laughs> I can't sing it in that other key that fits everyone else um, well then take a step back it's not about you being in the spotlight let mm -hmm. someone else on your team sing that song mm -hmm. so that it puts it in the place yeah. where that it works for the That's masses good. instead of for you. Yeah. Along. Another very small point regarding the music that, you know, for the sake of simplicity and getting people um, on board with your songs that you're introducing or having them be successful in the songs you're introducing, don't pick songs that are so syncopated. <laughs> I think, I think I've seen, it's gotten better in some ways, but a lot of, um, a lot of the praise chorus era and some of the first contemporary songs um, are just so syncopated. Um, and I know, I know, yeah. Josh, you praised praised this song, and I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna be a little negative on this this version of this song, but like with Chris Tomlin's version of. When oh, I survey I like, the wondrous cross. Yeah, I like the way that he puts together the hymn. Yes, I, I'm not so much the chorus crazy about the chorus. Yeah, although I do think that 
it it's nice. Um, it, it is. It nice. has its things and that the words are lacking. Are very good. Yeah, I just like the mm-hmm. the way that the the hymn kind of. I think it it With might that, put it back the way that the, it's supposed the to. The pedal be. bass. Yeah. I love that too because it's mm-hmm. like a Gregorian, Gregorian chant. But what I what I was for listeners may not know what we're talking about um, is in the chorus that Chris Tomlin added to when I survey the wondrous cross. You know, the actual music that Lowell Mason wrote for. Um, Isaac Watts, everything is on the beat. When I survey, da da, very much on the beat. Mm-hmm. But when when Chris Tomlin adds his chorus, like he does for ten thousand other hymns, it, it, it every note, almost every note, falls on the upbeat, not mm-hmm. the downbeat. Oh, the wonderful cross. Oh, the wonderful yeah, it goes cross. back to making Bid it. Me come in. It's it goes like, back to making it singable. Yeah. And and but then again, you might be in a place where True. that is that more accepted, is more accepted mm-hmm. and, and you know, the church that I serve in, we could not do a lot of syncopation. Mm-hmm. Um I can't do that and, as often when when I when I give that to my choir and they are looking at it on they're they're dissecting it cuz they all read music. Yes. Um but uh, there's a church that I served in before back in Louisiana that they just learned the songs by listening to it, and they learned it by rote. And mm-hmm. boy, they could they could conquer any syncopated song, mm. and they did it really well. Yeah. So um, that's that's a good that's a good point, Josh. Is know your context. Yeah. Know your people, because some you know age demographic is a, is an important thing. You know, um, Lord willing, hopefully your church is multi generational. You know, yeah. it's not just young or just old people, but you, you got to know got to know your know your people and what they can handle and what they can't handle. But um, general rule of thumb, syncopation, um, not always the most helpful. So, so one other thing that I was thinking about, um, you know, we we have talked. In fact, we were just talking a, a, uh, earlier about you know the the whole spectrum of the human experience. Mm-hmm. We we have these moments of grief. We have these moments of uh, excitement and joy. Um, don't be afraid to explore some of those songs. Um, and that's that's part of the the point of the Psalms. I think it goes through the whole spectrum of human experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't don't be afraid to do some of those more Job like laments, um, yeah. uh, because people are dealing with that. And so we don't need to just tell them, "Hey, it's all going to be good." Um, when when very well it it might not be right now in their life, and they need to be reminded that God is still God even when it's not good. Seems like you know. So for talking about congregational songs for uh, the suffering, uh, there's a really good um, article that Carl Truman, who's a really well-respected modern scholar and theologian, um, he wrote, and it's titled, What Can Miserable Christians Sing? Uh, If you don't mind, I'd kind of like to read a paragraph from that um, because I think it's really helpful for um, giving an apologetic for why we need to sing songs that... uh, explore the whole spectrum of the human experience, not just the the happy, but also the sad. Here's the quote, um, specifically on the Psalms. The Psalms, the Bible's own hymn book, have almost entirely dropped from view on the contemporary Western evangelical scene. I'm not certain about why this should be, but I have an instinctive feel that it has more than a little to do with the fact that a high proportion of the Psalter is taken up with lamentation, with feeling sad, unhappy, tormented, and broken. 
in modern Western culture, there are simply not um, uh, these are simply not emotions which have much credibility. <laughs> sure, people still feel these things, but to admit that but to admit that they are a normal part of one's everyday life is tantamount to admitting that one has failed in today's health, wealth, and happiness society. And of course, if one does admit to them, one must not ex- one must neither accept them nor take any personal responsibility for them. He goes on to say this in the Psalms. God has given the church a language which allows it to express even the deepest agonies of the human soul in the context of worship. So we've talked about this, but if our if our songs only allow for the more happy um, stance uh, of seasons of life for people, and they only talk about that and our contentment <laughs> in our season of life rather than our struggle or the suffering we're going through, we're, we're really doing a disservice uh, to speak about um, the human experience in full honesty um, for our people. So, And to be clear about talking about only not only singing happy or only singing sad songs, let's, let's not confuse the word happy with the word joy because there is joy in in all of life, there is joy both in happy seasons and in 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 hard seasons too. So all of our songs, that would be maybe something we could even add to our subtitle is our joyfully, our joyful songs. Mm. Whether they're going, you know, um, a song saying, uh, talking about your happiness, your your current blessedness in the Lord, and the bliss you're experiencing as a believer because of what Christ has done for you how he's delivered you, how he's saved you, those kind of things. Or whether it's the joy in amidst pain, amidst pain and sorrow and suffering. Um, that let's, let's not confuse the words joy and happiness. I think that's important to remember. Yeah. Um, let's go on to another point that I think is important, um, kind of more on the, the artsy side still. A lot of songs today... I would say this. I would say this is a modern problem. There's not much profound poetry and intentional employment of um, thinking about the text of a song as being poetic or being having punctuation that's purposefully put into in in certain places. One of my pet peeves as a worship leader or sing <laughs> and you know do what you want. You have your, you have your own opinions, but I, I can't stand it when there's no punctuation in lyric slides on pro presenter. When you, when you're right, reading, <laughs> that's, that's a personal, because if you were phrases. reading, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you were reading, um, here's a perfect example. If you were singing it as well with my soul, you get to that verse three, which is probably like one of the best verses in all of Christian hymnody. Honestly, you, you hear, you see on a screen, it says, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in a part but the whole. If you had no punctuation in there, you don't get the intentional separation of thought. It's a parenthetical statement. Yeah, yeah. and what it does is my, my sin. sin, and it's like the extended hyphen. Yeah, My sin, He and then he has to stop himself. It's like um, Horatio Spafford has to stop himself. My sin, oh, comma, the bliss of this glorious thought, extended hyphen. Then he goes back and says, my sin, not in part, but the whole was nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Mm-hmm. There's there's little subtleties about that that make that so much more cool and, and just impactful. Yeah. If, if 
so that's one essence of poet. I don't want to go too much down a rabbit trail. We're talking about why this podcast, but these are things that just don't seem to be employed enough. And uh, we want to promote songs that do do that um, in, in a better way. So, yeah, you laughed at doo-doo. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh. and I, I think that, um, I think that to, to kind of bring all that to a positive light, I think that although there are a lot of, um, we've, ha- we've seen a lot of uh, songwriters that haven't employed some of these things, mm-hmm. we're, we're very optimistic about the future. We, sure. we see some songwriters that are beginning to provide the church with uh, theologically rich, um, good songs. Yes. Good, not, you know, the, the musical theory, um, the, covering the different spectrums of the human experience. So mm-hmm. we get the different emotions and also um, that are, that are thoughtful and yeah. poetic and mm, profound. Um, profound. Um, we're, we're seeing more and more coming out and, and it's actually making, as I am the older guy here, um, it has been hard in years mm. past to find songs like that mm. um, sometimes. And uh, you ended up going with something subpar because you just needed something mm-hmm. to fit into this mm-hmm. place. Um, and uh, I think that it, it's it's we want to promote some of these songs that are bringing all of this to light now so that we can use them in the church and hopefully it helps um, each of the the church leaders that might be listening. Um, I, I pulled up a couple of quotes because I, I I think that it's important as I'm thinking through why this podcast. Um, Kristen Getty, Keith and Kristen Getty in their book Sing, mm-hmm. um, they talk about we this is a quote from their their book. We are singing people because it is how God created us. It's mm-hmm. what we do. Yep. And when we do, we're simply joining in with what the rest of creation is doing. Already and, and she goes mm-hmm. on to talk about how, you know, we're all singers, even if, um, or he goes on, I don't know which one of them actually wrote this, but um, they go on to say, we're, we're all singers, even if we um, don't consider ourselves to be um, as children in that inhibit, uninhibited place we would just, you know, sing our ABCs or um, sing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star or whatever, and we, we don't think about that. Well, um, the theologian Carl Barth actually goes a little bit further and talks about how the Christian church sings. Mm-hmm. It's not a choral society. It's not a concert, mm-hmm. but from the from inner material necessity, it sings. Singing mm-hmm. is the highest form of of human expression. Yeah. And he goes on to say, the praise of God. Oh, well, let me say this. He he says, what we can and must say quite confidently is that the church which does not sing is not the church. Mm-hmm. And then he says, the praise of God, which finds its concrete culmination in the singing of the community, is one of the indispensable forms mm-hmm. of the ministry of the church. So That's it's good. important that we do... Mm-hmm. Um, make it uh, about about the songs and the singing. Yes, so. that's good. Yeah, I would I would say we would all have a fairly optimistic um, perspective about where the church is going with with its songs and its hymnody. Um, we we do have concerns, you know, and we'll we'll certainly talk about those as we already have. But 
we we also want this this podcast to be an uplifting and encouraging affirming yes here are some good examples of songs that you should sing and uh, or maybe if you you don't think you should sing them well at least consider our reasoning why we think these are good songs both by experience of doing them in our churches and um, objectively by what they say about God and and how they um, are backed by scripture and focus on the gospel and the glories of it um so there's there's a lot lots of reasons lots of little reasons <laughs> we went on a lot of tangents but to give you kind of a full circle of why um we want to do this i hope this podcast has been helpful uh, this podcast a- episode has been helpful uh guys do you guys have any other closing thoughts of other points things you wanted to say reasons you have maybe we're forgetting Sure, we forget some. Hey, I thought Rachel was gonna say something. Yeah, <laughs> that's what no. I was looking at. No. I was thinking about it, but no. Oh, go but ahead. Hey, go I ahead mean, say something. Uh, your shirt says "Biblical literacy is cool." Period. Yeah. So, it does. hey, that 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 means hey, read your Bible and your song mm-hmm. should reflect it. <laughs> okay, sounds good. All right. Well, this wraps up this episode. Uh, Thank you all for listening, and uh, we hope you continue to listen. (laughs) Um, We hope you um, are gleaning from what we're trying to promote here in this podcast and uh, are excited about um, what we're going to be talking about in the future. We certainly are. Uh, We thank you for your time for listening to this podcast. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Sing the Word. If you're enjoying the content of this podcast, please subscribe to our channel on your preferred podcast platform. Feel free to leave us a good rating too. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pandora, and other platforms as well. If you've got songs, questions, or discussions you'd like for us to explore in future episodes, please email those to singtheword316 at gmail.com. Again, that's seeingtheword316 at gmail.com. As we continue to improve and expand our platforms for this podcast, we'll be sure to keep you posted on things to come, Lord willing. Again, thank you for listening. Grace and peace.